Yep. That's it. It's August 2nd, 2022, and we are literally in the land of confusion. We have no idea what's going on. We just know that (laughs) apparently we're supposed to be watching Pelosi's plane so it doesn't get shot down. According to the media, that's what we need to be focusing on. And (sighs) distractions, obstacles. It makes you kind of wonder sometimes, is this world just simply a Gordian knot? And why do I say this? And (laughs) I had a fantastic conversation yesterday with someone uh, who put it simply. And again, kind of like a voice from beyond saying the same, same thing. See, when you're in the thick of it, you don't stand on top of it. And I'm one to preach, oh, you need to have that 40,000 foot view. But again, it's always, uh, I mean, how many times can you stand from a top? Now, the Gordian Knot is a story that, you know, basically wasn't pretty much uh, elaborated. And I've never spoken of it in itself. And I thought this was a perfect time to do so. The Gordian Knot was a challenge set at the feet of Alexander the Great. And the question would be, is it possible to tie a knot that you can't untie, right? And until 333 BC, apparently, uh, this was the case. According to the legend, the actual knot was not able to be unraveled by anyone. In fact, it was the most biggest puzzle, I would say, until Alexander the Great came along. Now, one would say, well, what does that even mean? Well, I found this video and it's only had 210 views, literally. And it's quite a weird take on it. And I'm hoping this is the audio version. I'm pretty sure it is. Because he may help provide another viewpoint for it. That's fine. I can actually read it for you because I do have my podcast. So let me start that up so I can read it. So one day, according to the ancient Greek legend, a poor peasant called Gordius arrived with his wife in a public square in Friga, in an ox cart. As chance would have it, so the legend continues, an oracle had previously informed the populace that their future being would come into town or uh, 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 riding in a wagon. Seeing Gordius, therefore, the people made him king, right? In gratitude, Gordius dedicated his ox cart to Zeus, tying it up with highly intricate knot, the Gordian knot. Another oracle, or maybe the same one, the legend has it, it's not specific, but, you know, there were tons of oracles in Greek mythology, foretold that a person who untied the knot would rule all of Asia. It's interesting. So this is a story of how the Gordian knot came to be. The problem of untying, untying the Gordian knot resisted all attempted solutions until the year 33, 333 BC, when Alexander the Great, not known for his lack of ambition, when it came to ruling Asia, cut through it with a sword. She, you might cry, 
And although you might have been unwise to have pointed it out in Alexander's presence, his method did seem to go against the spirit of the problem. Surely the challenge was to solve the puzzle solely by manipulating the knot, not by cutting it. Couldn't untie the knot, so he cut through with a sword. Interesting. I mean, if there are no ends to the knot, how do you untie it? But just a minute, Alexander was not a dummy. As a former student of Aristotle, he would have been no stranger to logical puzzles. After all, the ancient Greek problem of squaring the circle is easy to solve if you don't restrict yourself to the stipulated tools of ruler and compass. Today we know that the circle squaring problem was posed by the Greeks is indeed unsolvable using a ruler and a compass. You cannot construct a square with the same area as a given circle. Perhaps Alexander was able to see that the Gordian knot could not be untied simply by manipulating the rope. If so, then the knot surely could not have had any free ends. The two ends of the rope must have been spliced together. This, of course, would have made the knot technically impossible to untie, right? Continuing under the assumption that many fine minds had been stumped by the Gordian knot problem, but no one had claimed the puzzle was unsolvable, we may conclude that, in principle, the knot could be untied, and everyone who looked closely enough could see this fact. In modern topological parlance, the loop of rope must have been in the form of an unknot. Thus, the Gordian knot was most likely constructed by the first splicing of the two ends of the length of a rope to form a loop, and then tying the loop up, i.e. wrapping it around itself in some way to disguise the fact that it was not really knotted. And everyone was stopped until Alexander came along and figured out that on this occasion, the sword was mightier than the pen. Of course, he did not have a penchant for coming to that conclusion. Now, when modern uh, topologists study knots, they assume that the knots are constructed out of perfectly flexible, perfectly stretchable, infinitely thin string. Under those assumptions, if the Gordian knot were really an unknotted loop, then it would have been possible to untie it, i.e. to manipulate it. So it was in the form of a simple loop that does not cross itself. Thus, the only thing that could make it absolutely necessary to resort to a sword to untie it would be that the physical thickness of the actual rope prevented the necessary manipulations being carried out. In principle, this could have been done. The rope could have been thoroughly wetted prior to tying, then dried rapidly in the sun after tying it to make it shrink. This is the explanation proposed recently by physicist Piotr Pieransky of the Penzan University of Technology in Poland and the biologist Andrzej Strasak of the University of Luzon in Switzerland. Physicists are interested in knots because the latest theories of matter postulate that everything is made up of tightly coiled and maybe knotted loops of space and time. And biologists are interested in knots because the long string-like molecules of DNA coil themselves up tightly to fit inside the cell. Piransky and Stasia have been studying knots that can be construed from real physical material that has in particular a fixed diameter. This restriction makes the subject very different from the knot theory traditionally studied by mathematics. Piransky has developed a computer program called Sono, Shrink on No Overlaps, to simulate the manipulation of such knots. Using this program, he showed that most ways of trying to construct a Gordian knot will fail. Sono eventually found a way to unravel them, but recently he discovered a knot that worked. 
Sono, which had not been programmed to make use of algorithmic sword, was unable to unravel it. Maybe, just maybe, he had discovered the actual structure of the Gordian Knot. And here it is. To construct Perianskin's knot, you fold a circular loop of rope and tie two multiple overhand knots in it. You then pass the end loops over the entangled domains. Then you shrink the rope until it's tight with its structure. There is not enough rope to allow the manipulations necessary to unravel it. What can be solved, what can't be solved is cut off. Oti delinete, covete. That is exactly what Alexander the Great said. Hmm. What you can't solve, you sever. Pretty much. Now, considering that, what that can't be solved must be severed. This discussion that I had was to find what the focus needed to be, where we needed to focus in order to remedy the majority of the issues within our nation. I have to say, it got me thinking, but it was kind of just processing in the background because I was busy yesterday. I, I, I did, I traveled, met with my campaign team. I, I took them out to eat after a meeting. And obviously during my meeting, they didn't tell me that at some point on Saturday, the the Republican Party contested my filing, my uh, being on the ballot for November, which is bizarre in a, in a sense because you have to think, just look at how difficult they make it for anyone independent to run. It's almost as if they don't want another choice. And so, uh, you know, this is just intended to drain my finances because they obviously know my campaign finances. Uh, my campaign manager is, you know, one of the, the most meticulous people. And, you know, it's no, you know, secret. People can see that I haven't raised much funds. I am actually grassroots. And this is all they're doing. They're trying to cost me money that I'm going to have to find a way to pay a $10,000 retainer for an attorney so that I can go to hearing and say how preposterous this is and, you know, their argument. And so this morning uh, when I got up, as I was getting coffee, uh, kind of thought to myself of the conversation that I had in regards to our problem as a whole as a nation and where the focus was. And mind you, the discussion and the person who honed in, I totally agreed that this is where we need to focus. And I see, you know, Carrie Lake, obviously, uh, honed in on that. Uh, Texas, myself, right? I haven't filed mine yet, of course. Um, Michigan and, and Louisiana have gone forward and hopefully will perpetuate this to the other states. But, I, I, you know, the, 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 thought was, well, for the nation, we need to, uh, to take back our elections and have them be fully transparent and ensure that we are in charge of our elections, not some classified document or people we don't see or the federal government or some private company. And this is indeed the threat they have because, yes, it's not an immediate remedy, but it would be immediate in respects to, uh, you know, the upcoming elections and going forward to remedy because that is the Gordian knot. Once you remedy that, you know, it's all over. But then I kind of thought to myself as I was getting ready to do the show, 
holy crap. I know what the Gordian knot is. It's choices. Choices is the Gordian knot. See, every single time we hear throughout history and time uh, about someone making a decision, it's always down to two choices, which is so confusing as to why is it just two? Why can't it be three or four or five or one, right? I'm <laughs> just saying one is you don't have a choice, but why are there two choices? And so, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a movie um, that they called Duplicity. And I wanted to show the trailer. Um, and for those listening on the podcast, I'm pretty sure you'll recognize some of the voices. But I, I thought this trailer would kind of help bring into focus what our real concern is here. It's always two choices. And, you know, once you focus on the enemy, then you have two choices. You either go with the enemy or you don't. And it's really bizarre. And see, this is where I struggled with, you know, my recent um, upsetness, detest, and how could you be so stupid feelings that I have with Roger Stone because he was a person that could skirt that. This duplicity manner, he was able to skirt it. But I guess maybe he felt too much on the dark rather than the light. Um, you know, this is where I admired his work, even though I didn't agree with the methods, right? We can admire someone's work and not agree with the methods. And we can, you know, stand in awe and say, well, how could you do this? How can you skirt mud baths and, and, and water and sand and not get it on your tailcoat, right? And, and this is it. It's probably because it was a, a little tip of the actual solution to the problem, which is smashing the idea of duplicity. Now, this duplicity goes on to something else, but uh, hopefully it's on Prime and we can watch it as a movie. Please enjoy this trailer. Remember me? This wasn't an accident, was it? Being here, meeting like this. Can you imagine living like this? How much do you think you'd need? 20 million? I was thinking 40. So what do you have to do to get 40 million dollars? I took a job in counterintelligence for Burke and Randolph. You're about to make a move. Some new product. Something big. The very existence of this product must be carefully protected. My God, he is going to crush me. It's a total corporate death match. The competition will do anything to get their hands on this. Guess who they like for director of Intel Operations. You on one side, me on the other. It's perfect. You know what I think? I think you like the idea. Now all we have to do is find that product. We get there first, we'll make a fortune. Bingo. I think I found a way in. Oh. Excuse me. What was it before I got here? Apple teeny. Well, that sounds good. No peeking. Who is this guy? We're not sure. You're unbelievable. It was an assignment. It was nothing. Well, you should see the pictures. Oh, jeez. Is that the one where they're on the desk? 
We don't have time for this. I mean, we're here trying to run a triple game with some very smart, very motivated players. Do you have any idea how far my ass was hanging out because of you? If I told you I loved you, would it make any difference? If you told me, if I believed you. This is way over your head. Over my head? We were supposed to be on the same side. <laughs> Are these hers? What is that? It's a thong. It was in your closet. That's not possible. Well, in that case, I'll put them back on. You're gaming me. So while that movie was fun to watch the sexual tension and taking down corporations, you know, because they were ex-intelligence and know how things happen, right? The whole position that every single person right now in this whole world is feeling very confused. They're confused because they don't understand where is that thread? What is that thread that you can pull to undo the Gordian knot? Like, what is it? What a tangled web of lies they weave, right? And considering that they would have shrunken the rope in heat, forged it to make it almost like steel, giving you the inability to unravel the knot. I mean, then at that point, what you do is you burn it all down. And then you think, well, if I burn it all down, then I'm flailing in chaos. But consider this. It is simply a knot that does not dismiss everything around you. Let's pretend that this whole conglomerate, this, these webs of lies among lies, obfuscation of who orders what. It was all to come apart. You know, I see so many people seeking that knowledge that what is religion? Where do we come from? Maps are all wrong. Time is all wrong. Why are acorns falling in July? Why are we having death in Kentucky? Why are we having these insane, you know, conversations? It was Ukraine and now we're following an airplane on camera that's landing because Nancy Pelosi, who was in Time and Square, standing up for rights back in the day, is now in Taiwan and says, we must support Taiwan. But everyone else is like, no, we don't. Yes, we do. And it's like, okay, here's another choice they want us to do. On the other hand, we have uh, political prisoners within our nation that committed a crime, right? They trespassed on property that they own because they didn't have permission to go because even though it's theirs, somebody else says when you can go. And so they weren't allowed to do all that. Kind of like um, all those people in the summer of love that burned and trampled uh, federal buildings before. Uh, these people were a little bit different. And then they tell you how there was no mitigation when, in fact, there is a document signed by Chris Miller at the time saying, yes, we will have National Guard. But 
it wasn't up to them because apparently, even though it is the people's, uh, it is Congress and the Senate that decide these things. But unfortunately, <laughs> the sergeant in arms passed away so conveniently like they always do. And so we have all these things and then we have elections and then we have to choose. And, 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 and this is where I thought of it. See, when, when, um, I lined up my music, and sat for a second and listened to a video play in my ears, I thought to myself, oh, crap. This GOP guy, for first of all, three people that worked at the White House told me that he's awful. Second, his face. I, I posted it and I did it for a reason. Those are the faces that choose who you're allowed to elect. And there are similar faces on the left, too. Right, left, right, left. Hmm. And so he claims that, well, while she's not registered as any party, she identifies with the GOP. She hasn't severed herself from the Republican Party and, and, and. and it's like the Republican Party doesn't stand for my values. This is why it needs to burn down. So, and this is the reason that Democrats are not voting for the Democrats. And they won't even vote for the Republicans because they don't trust any of them. And for the people of, let's say, Ohio, who saw that Mike DeWine, right, and Frank LaRose and all the incumbents were selected by faces like that. They don't want to vote either. And so a lot of people are like, well, the rule is, you know, if you don't want to get caught up in the game, you don't play the game. So we don't vote. And it's like, if you don't vote, right? Well, one thing can happen. But here's the problem with humankind. They don't like to stick to their guns. There's two things, three things that can happen, four things that can happen. One, there's an independent candidate and suddenly that independent candidate gets everything and they know it. And that is the most likely option. While people say, oh, she's going to take away votes. Why would a conservative or someone that that thinks that they line with the values that the GOP pretends, pretends, because they do not represent any of our values in regards to who we want in office, right? They pretend, right? They're just the same. So why would any actual person that believes in, in fairness, in the rule of law, in uh, treating people the same against this hate speech bull, all of that, right? Why would they in their right mind vote someone like LaRose? Think about it for Secretary of State. Why would they? He's World Economic Forum, and everyone's known through Hunter Biden's laptop that that is deadly. They've known that from the research and from the television and from their newscasters that anyone associated with the World Economic Forum is a tool and not needed. And someone who takes money from open societies, because my fellow Americans, Frank LaRose has gotten donations from open societies for his campaign and from other Pedophiles like Wexner and, 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 and. So why would a conservative drop the vote simply to go red? No, that doesn't work anymore. And they know it. So while their stretch argument of making statements that, oh, maybe we should look at these signatures, we already did. And there's many more signatures that we didn't contest because we didn't need it. And that is exactly what the county board of elections on a county level told us. I mean, we don't have to correct the mistakes we made because you already have what you need. So you're good. 
And that's actually the rule of law that says uh, to them, you still have to check them. But, you know, if it's not necessary um, for whatever, you still have to check them on about on the board of elections. But for us, we were told, hey, since you already have it, there's no point. But we have them backed up. In fact, the team sat there and did it forensically. Right. And so reading through it, his problem was that I haven't completely disassociated myself with the Republican Party. Boy, I'm not in your Republican Party, and I'm not in any Democrat Party. I'm in a party of independent federalists uh, that doesn't exist. Therefore, I am independent because I don't like what you have and what you're selling. And so came to me that that is the Gordian knot, the illusion that we only have two choices, not just in elections, but in everything we do. We can only go left or right. Why can't we go forward? There's a wall. Fine. Break right through it. We can only go up and down. Why can't we go diagonal or sideways? Well, you can, but you can't because, because what? Because we're in a game where they set the rules and we must abide by the rules. So there was this video, this um, woman put together that was really weird and she called it a fallacy that can be defined as a failure or reasoning. And I'd like to hear what she has to say. And this is someone that, you know, doesn't look like you would think they would contemplate this. But I'm seeing this globally. People are asking themselves the same thing. Why? Okay, so when November comes along, we don't vote. Okay, so let's say there's 100 people. Only nine will stick to that. The others be like, well, what if we don't vote and they just select? Well, see, that's the thing. If people actually went to the polls and stood out and said, I'm not voting, but suddenly somebody won, what, with 10 votes, nine votes? Is that representative of your demographic? If only 100 people voted or 1,000 people voted or only all the Democrats voted and everybody else did? No, because remember, whenever there's a vote, there has to be a quorum, right, a turnout. So let's say that the population only had 10% turnout. Is that representative of the whole state of Ohio if only 10 people turned up? No, it's not. And the elections would be by law deemed null and void. But the problem is, is that people are such opportunists that they're willing to sacrifice everybody else for the sake of comfort. So you cannot rely on your neighbor to do their job because they are not as astute to this as you are. And I think her underlying argument is kind of the same. Maybe I interpret it like that. Have a listen. Do you like red or blue? Now, maybe maybe you can answer that question easily because maybe blue happens to be your favorite color. But what if you like both colors the same? Or what if you don't really care for either one? It seems odd to phrase a question like that, doesn't it? almost like it was asked that way on purpose in a way that would force you to choose from limited options. It might feel like you're being trapped and you'd be right to think something's off because this is actually a logical fallacy. You've been presented with the false dichotomy. People tend to use this fallacy confidently and aggressively, and if you've been on the receiving end, you know how frustrating it can be. It's not always easy to identify what's going on in the moment or how to respond. But if you don't know what to say when this happens, you might get overwhelmed by the other person's confidence and find yourself backed into a rhetorical corner you can't get out of. But by the end of this video, you'll be able to recognize exactly what's happening when this comes up in conversation and how to respond. 
Hi, I'm Christina, and I'm going to walk you through the false dichotomy, which is also known as the either-or fallacy, or the false dilemma. A dichotomy is when a stark contrast is set up between two opposing things, like the state of being dead versus being alive, or whether the oven is on or off. In mathematics, think of the distinction between odd numbers and even numbers, or rational numbers and irrational numbers. These sorts of things are true dichotomies in that something can only be one or the other. But one of the things that can make a dichotomy false is when someone tries to present two options as being mutually exclusive, things that can't happen at the same time, when in fact they can happen at the same time. Think of the question from before about which color you like, red or blue. Now, it's all subjective, of course, but it would be entirely possible for someone to like red and blue equally. The point is, liking red and liking blue aren't mutually exclusive options, and you can like them both equally and simultaneously. Now, remember I said that wrongly treating two things as mutually exclusive is one of the things that can make a false dichotomy. Here's another one. What also makes something a false dichotomy is when two options are treated like they're the only two choices available, when other choices are being ignored. Let's go back to the red-blue question again. You're being asked to choose one of two colors as the one you like, red or blue. But let's say you're not a fan of either one. Maybe purple really does it for you. But any color other than red or blue isn't an option you've been given. When there's another valid choice besides red or blue, but it isn't being offered, this is also a false dichotomy. A potential option is being excluded. This color example is kind of silly, but it's a really simple way of illustrating what I mean. But here's something we Hyperians get asked all the time, usually by newcomers. Is Hyperianism a belief system, or are you guys atheists? The person asking the question has probably been conditioned to view these as the only two options, but the correct answer is neither. Hyperianism is the opposite of belief. It's a completely rational system based on mathematical certainty. No faith or blind guesswork. And it's not atheistic because we are all God. Each person is undergoing their own journey to divinity. As every individual evolves toward perfection, the collective does too until we reach the omega point where we are all gods and where we have all achieved perfect symmetry. So the Hyperion answer to this question is something completely different and outside of the two choices being given. Being able to spot this false dichotomy and explain it is very important because it'll help you describe Hyperionism clearly and easily. And by the way, I'll put links to the videos we did on these topics down in the description in case you want more info. This dichotomy reminds me of the Hyperion take on politics, too. If you've seen some of our videos, you might get the impression that we don't like or support the Republican Party or right-wing politicians. And you'd be right but you might assume that means we fully support the Democratic Party, because there's only two options, right? Wrong. That would be a false dichotomy. We advocate for the creation of what we call New Terra, which is a meritocratic, dialectical, and teleocratic system. We live in a world of privilege and unfair advantages, not true merit, despite what any pundit might tell you. The Republican Party is made of corporate allies who endorse greed and inequality. 
In many cases, the Democratic Party also features corporate allies who cling to the status quo in a slightly nicer way. Both parties make excuses for the old ways which only benefit a few. We need something new. Hyperionism is a new paradigm, a completely new way of thinking, so we need a completely new way of looking at politics. Hyperion politics is about truly equal opportunities and fair reward for everyone, without super-rich billionaires blocking the way. It's all guided by reason and compassion. Now, I want to point out that someone who employs false dichotomies doesn't always do it on purpose. This could point to rigid black and white thinking on their part, maybe caused by conditioning. Or maybe they just haven't considered all the possibilities. Remember, a true dichotomy is a real either or choice or distinction between two things which are actually mutually exclusive or contradictory. A false dichotomy will often ignore any alternatives, variations, or middle ground between two polarities. The choices have been restricted when they shouldn't be. This might not always be intentional, but many people will use this fallacy as a deceptive way to make their weak position appear stronger in the moment. Because the tricky thing about the false dichotomy is that it might not seem like a fallacy in the moment if you're not paying attention. And if you don't catch this, the other person might be able to trip you up and get you to say something that agrees with their position. Like, let's say you mentioned to someone that you're fully vaccinated because it's the best protection against COVID-19. But they make a face and say, oh, so you're all for big pharma then? It's an oversimplified argument that tries to pressure you into taking an either or all or nothing stance. You'd be very smart to recognize that getting the vaccine is the best way to protect yourself from COVID, but you're also allowed to oppose corrupt, profit-driven corporate interests at the same time. So just remember that a false dichotomy might be happening if you're being asked a strict either-or question when it seems like there should be more options. If you think it is, look out for these warning signs. The two options are being presented as mutually exclusive when they're not liking either red or blue, when you're allowed to like both the same. Or the two options could be treated like they're the only possible choices when there could be a third or a fourth. Choosing either red or blue when you'd prefer orange. For example, being asked if your gender is man or woman when you identify as non-binary. You've got to figure out if either of these things is happening. And if they are, you can respond to the person by politely calling out the error in the way they're asking the question. It's perfectly reasonable to say, that's a false dichotomy, when presented with one, and then give the response that is accurate rather than simply choosing from the options given. So that's it. You can use the information in this video to help you identify faulty arguments and know how they're wrong. Learning to recognize fallacies as they come up in conversation is a great way to sharpen your critical thinking skills. Hyperionism is all about changing the world through truth and reason, so we need to be able to use reason correctly and communicate with clarity and confidence. I, I hope, hope you enjoyed this look at the false dichotomy. Please give it a like, share it, and subscribe so you can help us grow. Thanks for watching. So, what did you learn? Obviously, um, you know, listening to her, you've subscribed to the false dichotomy that because she identifies that people can be binary, therefore she's a lefty and it's bullshit.
Another one is because she said someone chose to be vaccinated and someone came back to them saying, oh, so you're with Big Pharma. That was a bad argument. That's not what you say. Maybe someone chose that. But again, see, people tune out when they hear things that they've already decided are bad news. When, again, this is the reason we can't rely on the person next to us because one foundation could be solid. See, she may be a liberal. She may be all about abortion. She may be all about following orders, all of that. But on the one thing that she is, which I doubt she is on the mandates because this fallacy thing, right? And the dichotomy. See, this is where we all need to be to be like, you know what? You might want to go and get it because you're so terrified and you trust science so much. You should be able to go and get it, but you should also not have to get it and continue on. This is, this is, you know, the problem that we have, that we take a conversation and we see one portion of it and we dismiss it. Why can't we agree with some of the stuff? Look, I don't believe that someone can change their sex, but I believe that anybody can identify as something. Example. We have people that are in office that identify themselves as statesmen. They're not. We all know that. They're greedy. They're lying. Do you see what I'm saying? That is the point that we can't just use a wide brush and paint it across and say, well, I'm tuning out because this, or I'm tuning out with because of that. Like I said, everybody tells you where they sit. And I'll tell you what, I would rather have her sit next to me if she really subscribes to that thinking than anyone that identifies as a Republican that is in office or running for office. You see what I mean? Because this is where we need to learn where that Gordian knot is. And it's the dichotomy that is presented to us. Uh, She did an excellent video that would both uh, play to the more intellectual and non-broad brush brainwash painting of those that we deem are the liberals and also would pander to the people that have, uh, you know, how she said, you know, critical thinking skills on the right. And that is the, the point that there is a center right there from her argument, which is, you know, we need to be able to see when people are putting us in a box. And this is exactly it. The whole world has been pushing us into these neat little boxes that we must choose. We must obey. And this is what we're seeing. For example, everyone bought the bullshit from journalists that are on the right. I'm going to tell you what the scheme here is, plain and simple. While you sit there and you watch all these articles coming out, the only investigative journalists that have, the only people that have actually talked about the Hunter Biden laptop in detail are obviously Mayor Rudy Giuliani and, and, and he's, you know, a lawyer. Uh, you have myself and Garrett Ziegler. Garrett Ziegler, uh, you know, rather than me put on the sim- simulation laptop and dump all the emails, I let him do it. That was his thing. You know, he wanted to do it. And I thought, you know, He's just had a, a new baby and he was in the thick of it at the White House. And, you know, this this could be it. He could put together a really good report rather than me just drop it all on there and set it out because then we'd have the same narrative. You know, uh, obviously it was that chick from the post uh, that focused on the, she also did it. So then the question you should be asking yourself, all these people that purport themselves to be investigative journalists that had access to the Hunter Biden laptop that tell you how amazing they are at investigative journalism. What was their excuse as to why they didn't report on it? 
Oh, I didn't want to touch it. I'd go to jail. How would you go to jail? I didn't want to. How would you go to jail? And I, and, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, for example, um, you know, Millie who wouldn't, she was like, no, and I get it. They locked her up for bullshit and that's what they do. They slander you with false accusations, right? And for her, they had a criminal in way by using bullshit, right? If they had a criminal anything against me, I would have been dragged through criminal court, but they couldn't find one because I, you know, there was no such, you know, loose string. Um, unfortunately, Millie had a loose string. So uh, again, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see because I, I hear like, you know, for example, Tracy Beans is like, I isn't going to do it. And it's like, but you stood there on camera telling President Trump, you started Q, which was on the FBI, uh, FBI watch list. And yet you said that out loud, but you were worried about the Hunter Biden laptop that nobody would have come after you for. Do you see where I'm going with this? They talk rubbish. They consistent. Brian Kate said the same thing. He considers himself an investigative journalist. Why didn't he do it? Because, uh, you know, I didn't want to mess with it or like get in trouble. Really? Get in trouble? What are you, dumb? What are you, five? Is that how you do journalism? No. Here's the deal, guys. Like I told you, there are people, right? There are people that have already made deals. And when you understand that, Hanging Joe Biden, right, by his toes for self-enriching himself, right, is the deal. They agreed, okay, we'll let you have at it with Joe Biden. We'll let you have at it with that as long as, you know, the fucking people are fed, you know, crumbs. That's how they see you. Think of it. They're on the stage. You're the audience and you've got the left and the right and you're all foaming at the mouth for a piece of popcorn. And Joe Biden going down is your fucking popcorn. But the deal is President Trump does not run. He does not take office ever again. See, this is it. See, this is why I don't like influencers. This is why I don't like the fact that people, you know, come out and say things. And it's like, you're a tool. You're a liar. You're not helping the people. You're working with this backdoor deal. I am against deals. This is the problem that we have when people understand that what you're seeing now, I mean, why are they talking about it now? Why are they like, oh, the FBI covered it up? Why are they talking about it now? Right? Because there's deals made. The deal is we'll give you Joe Biden. So that way your right wing crazy base will be like, ah, we're winning. And that way, the new conservative people, which are the ones that would not investigate this because it's not right. Look at us. We're like proper investigative journalists. My ass, you're thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. This is the deal that they then be instated as the new voices of your actual Republican Party. These people are going to be elevated because they helped you through this and they showed you what it is. And you know how you know is because people were talking about crack and hookers and whores and whatever. So they were using the demons that plagued this little demon guy, Hunter, rather than talk about, hey, you know, his 
buddy, Patrick Ho, that was arrested. He's the one that helped over, you know, do the whole coup thing and chat with Jill Biden, right? Hey, you know what he did? He smuggled someone from the southern border, planned it over a year. Here's the chain of emails. Hey, they're using foreign intelligence servers to communicate. Hey, this. Hey, that. Like actual things that matter. And, 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 and change and shape our foreign policy. Those are the things. But because they didn't focus on that, that meant that there were negotiations. And this is what you're seeing. There are negotiations. And then you have to wonder who on the right, because it's definitely not President Trump, who on the right, 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 is making these negotiations? Who believes that they're the face of freedom and that you must fight? Look at them fight. Really? I didn't see any, hey, fight just the way Donald Trump is fighting with his damn sword, cutting up the Gordian knot. Instead, they're telling you how amazing they are, how amazing it is. But they have created deals in the back. Pompeo going with Pelosi to Taiwan. Think about it, please. And then the question arises, why was it in Hunter Biden's laptop? Oh, let me backtrack a little bit. Remember when Rice emailed herself shit, right? You remember that, right? She emailed herself. Well, other people emailed themselves too. And what happens is, is that once they email themselves, they can forward uh, that email screenshot or whatever in a thread to people like Hunter on his laptop. See, people don't pay attention. They look for whatever's sensational. So now you see all these people on Substack asking you to subscribe so you can see how they're unraveling Hunter Biden's laptop when they had access to it all along, but they were given permission and a green light just now. They were not allowed to talk about it because they were still negotiating. You see, this is the false dichotomy and this is the false illusions that uh, these uh, people create so that that way they can control your mind. And this is how they move forward in doing things like this. And you know, it, it, it is that critical thinking right now that has brought our nation to this point where, you know, people are confused as to how to move forward. They understand it's a spiritual battle. And when you think about it, what is spirituality? It is your mind, your thoughts, your inner thoughts is your spirits. That's the you, you know, and I guess if everyone lived by the rule that if they're not ashamed to think about it, they shouldn't be ashamed to say it. We wouldn't be in this position right now, right? The only time you're ashamed to talk your thoughts and speak what's on your mind and have no filter is when your thoughts are not very good. But it seems like this nation is not, you know, is not guilty of making mistakes because we all make mistakes. We all err. We all fail. We all make bad choices, wrong decisions, right? It's not that that is the issue, that as a nation, as a collective, as an individual or whatever, that you make mistakes. But in fact, our nation is an idiot because it persists in the same error, repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Where has it gotten us the minute we have two parties? Nowhere. Nowhere absolutely nowhere. And while they will tell you, I prefer unfair peace. What does that even mean? How do you have the word unfair and peace in one sentence? Then the most righteous war, excuse me, you mean purging? What's the problem? 
how do you say that? I'm okay with unfair peace because this is exactly what they've done. They've conducted deals in back rooms to maintain the status quo. You think by you subscribing to a party, by you abiding and falling in line, left or right, red or blue, conservative, libtard, there's no room for in the middle. Hmm. And this is why in times like this, which are times of war, laws are silent. And that is where we are. That is exactly where we are. What can we do? Well, one would say victory is fantastic. Well, in actual fact, the only victory you need is the victory over your own self. You need to learn how to step out of that box and realize that there is another choice. And you know, speaking of spiritual things, right? So you guys know that I've been focusing on Africa for the past like uh, almost two years, especially when disease X came up. You should find out when I talked about that. That's how far behind, you know, their, (laughs) the expose of their plans were. But I believe that here, what we have, right? is discussions that I hear all the time and see uh, and what people say. People have subscribed not only to left or right, but hardcore Christianity, demi-Christianity, sort of Christianity, hardcore Judaism, soft, light, kind of just identify, oh, I am a hardcore Muslim, sort of the Muslim. I mean, I won't eat pork, but I'll still have sex and drink alcohol. Yeah, I may do some Ramadan, maybe not. You know, these things, this uh, the spectrum of choice, but identifying as, you know, that team. I bat for that team and I will have my foam fingers out and that's it. And I will draw the line because all these other people are going to stand next to me holding the same foam fingers. So that makes me more powerful. (laughs) That actually makes you more stupid. Because if everybody held their own foam finger, right, and said, listen, guys, we all have a choice. We don't like this. They're controlling us. We don't have proper representation. I mean, it's a lot harder to buy out, you know, how many, let's let's take example, the smallest, well, is it Alaska or is it North Dakota? Whatever. North Dakota has 700,000 people. So that would mean that, if you break that down, it would be one, two, three, four, five, one, two, okay. So they would need 70 representatives to be accurately represented. So if just the state of North Dakota is sending 70 representatives, that's a lot of people to buy out to shut them the fuck up. So just imagine in more highly populated states, if they had actual representation, sending them to DC, how many people they would have to buy out. And that would be impossible because you can't trust your neighbor to be on the same page as you. And therefore, this is where the issue lies. We do not have appropriate representation. They have taken control of that. They have cultivated us to feel that we need to be part of a team, that we must choose one camp, that we must focus on that. And then if you don't, then it's all over. The Republican Party, on the other hand, seems to pretend to be the party of the people and speaking for the people, but it's like one or two people that are actually doing it. And President Trump threw a wrench into all of that, and they're really, really, really upset. And so let's take it to another notch where we have people articulating arguments in regards to spirituality and religion, which is quite interesting to see. And this is an interview I watch. I watch African television a lot, usually in bed when I'll wake up because, you know, I, I, I don't make shy of it. You know, I, I, I have pain. 
right? So it'll wake me up. Um, I'll grab my phone and start watching something. And I usually go into, you know, whatever's on uh, TV in Africa. And there is this one show uh, that I enjoy watching, which is called The Wicked. And it's actually online on YouTube. And I know the title says, I've seen proof of God and it's not who people think. Uh, This is just a bite of their show. This was an interesting debate. And while, you know, they're African and they, you know, uh, throw in a couple of their own words of their language, you know, they are talking about how, you know, the new world order is getting established and how they're arguing between themselves, you know, that this woman that is spiritual is witchcraft and this and that. And this is where it seems like the lady previously that we saw, you know, where she sits, her body, her face, which we're going to get into um, during the break, um, I found an amazing video that'll talk to you about physiognomy and names, how names can actually shape who you are. That's why I said, whenever I meet, no offense, no offense, but when I meet Joanna's, okay, so anyone named Joanna, please don't be offended. They are the biggest backstabbers ever. And they all have the same shape nose. And I say this with much love because any Joanna that I have met, and I've met a ton, right? They have a, a, a um, mentality that they are lacking. Therefore, they always want what somebody else wants. Either that be a partner, a job, you know, money, a house, I kid you not. So all of you think about it. And it's a struggle that um, they struggle with. Not all of them will exhibit it but they are predisposed. And I'm going to show that video after this one while we go for a break. So let's take a look at this discussion, which I think all of you will enjoy. What is your explanation of God? Because when we spoke, um, there's a conversation to knowledge, spirituality, atheist, so she's an atheist and a half. So, <laughs> so what is your definition of God? She's okay. a feast, and I believe kuna force, but yeah. how is he described? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Actually, uh, atheism was a point of transition for me. Always like put it that way. It's not like I'm a half atheist and a half whatever. I was I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I did not know what God, who God was, even though I was in this Christian home. So it reached a point where because I've always known somebody's out there watching out for me because I've seen proof of it in my life. But I the way it, he was represented, you know, he was misrepresented to me, and I believe that this that was a misrepresentation. So when I went to, you know, throughout my life in campus, I came to a point where I wanted to establish a personal relationship with God. And so that was my period of atheism because I was out. I abandoned everything and decided to be like an empty vessel to start looking for my own meaning of my own God. And that is when I got into spirituality. And even if you look at my page right now, I talk a lot about the Bible. And I, it's like me, I mix everything because I believe that there are truths inside this uh, religious connotations but then when you ask me what is the meaning of god to me to me god is nature god is change god is you know the the change is the only constant in life and to me that is what god is god is nature god whenever i look into the faces of the people around me whenever i look into nature that is me seeing the face of god and so god to me is the collective the wholeness of us as a people so that is where god is 
to me because that is where I've found my God. So God is not a person seated on the throne. No, to me, God is, all of us are, you know, God to me is the universe. And to me, human beings are a direct mirror reflection of the universe. All human beings are fragments. It's like having a gold reservoir, and then you have the fragments of gold okay. that are in different parts of the world. So to me, human beings are just a mirror reflection yes. of who God is. Okay. Now, from Mr. T's explanation, he mm. says that um, there are different levels of there are different realms outside this world yeah. which nirai kuna the dark one how do you know you're not in witchcraft as in, <laughs> in fact, all, the reason why i said that yeah. i think i had an interview talking about the chakras yes the gates <laughs> now those chakras is a language in kwa meditation but it's also a language you kwa satanism because you open those gates na unaanza kuinteracta spiritual realm in fact, akikwambia kuna seven chakras, by the time you are opening the third chakra, you open the third eye of the spirit. And by the time you are opening the seven, unakwanga so high spiritually, unakwanga umeadopt something uh, inakwanga serpentine. So it ushers you to a very demonic realm. And that's why I was very sensitive because about what, what the new age is doing, mm -hmm. the Bible actually is the only book that has detailed on spirituality. But now what has happened is that there is what we are now calling involvement of demonology, the study of demons. But now it's being repackaged not as demons, but as energies, as forces, as elements. So, elements, the energy, positive vibe. Okay, so, uchawi asaizi miomoka. Ni uchawi cool, unaget? Ni uchawi unambiweka tu candles hapa. Sema ta 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 mara saba. Unakumuka chali chali. Chali chali zi. I'm going to pause here for a second. So obviously, Dr. Kingori, right, is like, listen, you know, this new age stuff, this yoga stuff, this chakra stuff is the one that's exposing us to demons. And what it's doing is it's dumbing down the notion of that they're actual real entities. Remember, the devil himself, you know, the best trick he's ever done is to convince people that he doesn't exist. So I remember when I sat down with um, Father Paisios, which is now a saint, right? And I was a kid and I was like, oh, you know, um, well, I don't remember how, oh, well, he was telling that, you know, you can actually talk to animals if you can tune into it. And he, he was explaining that to me. And it's, I think his bios has been written up and you guys can see it. And I remember saying, so how do you do that? Do you like focus? Is it like ESP? I saw on TV, you know, that this Cabbage Patch kid had risen up in the flames in a newspaper in the supermarket. <laughs> I was referring that actually scarred me seeing a floating Cabbage Patch kid over a fireplace on the Enquirer when I was a kid, right? And so I brought that up as an example because I was a kid, you know, talking to him. And he said, um, this is the problem. See, a lot of people want to focus on these abilities that they know they have and they can exercise rather than uh, allow God to show them that it's not, you know, something that you can't see. You know, he says, look, did the doll really levitate over the fireplace? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they envisioned it. Maybe they thought of it. But he goes, listen, when you tap into that, there is no good that you will see from it because you are supposed to see the good here, not in some other realm. 
You're supposed to be able to see it with the tools that you have here. And, uh, you know, and, and he was like, uh, there's a woman named Shirley McLean. Now I was familiar hearing the name, but didn't know the name right at that time. I did not. Uh, and he brought the name up McLean, M- McLean, Shirley McLean. He says she is teaching people how they can center themselves and breathe. What they don't understand is that they're actually praying. But then when they're praying, they get into the state where they're seeking. And the one thing you should do is understand that God is everywhere and you need not seek him. Because what you seek is not God that you will get sometimes. And this is the thing. And I was like, um, okay, so how do you talk to animals? I mean, do you have like some special power? How can I have a special power to talk to animals? <laughs> and he goes, I pray every waking moment. Now that we speak, I pray because I know that these are real things. And you, unless you're in prayer all the time. And I was like, see, there you go. This is why I need to be a nun. I don't like people. I'd rather just pray all day and and leave it alone because, you know, they come up with all these things and they don't see what it is. And I guess for me in retrospect, trying to remember because it was so long ago, right? I think he was trying to explain to me and, you know, from the little things that I can recall, and it may be inaccurate. I do remember the Shirley MacLaine and then I brought up the Cabbage Patch Kid doll. And I do remember taking home that maybe you don't want to do that. But I think it was more so that uh, he was trying to tell me that maybe this is a way that we um, deceive ourselves to think that, uh, that these things don't really exist and that we manifest them, you know? And it was, and it was so, uh, I guess my introspect and I, and, and this introspect, this conversation came to mind when I was praying last week. And, and then you have to think what is prayer? And for me, prayer is literally sobbing. I kid you not. I mean, I don't know how other people pray, but for me, it's just unloading, uh, completely unloading, you know, the, the pain unloading, like dropping it. And saying, here, take my potato sack. And I drop it. And it was at that time that that conversation came. And I th- said to myself, that it, that, that's it. The biggest trick that devil ever pulled, the devil ever pulled was convincing people that he does not exist. And then I thought, well, 1 King uh, 22 came to mind. And we're going to talk about that after the break. But then I thought, wow. So they say there is a God we are all in his image, like he says, but he's not on a throne. Well, there's got to be a center. In the Gordian knot, we all know that was deceptive. It wasn't that the knot had ends or beginnings. It was deceptively done so that we couldn't find where we can pull the thread. Well, I do not believe that in a grand design such as this, considering that we've seen the Mandelbrot, and how it's ever infinite. I mean, for every beginning, there is a termination. Or maybe it doesn't terminate because it is constantly expanding. Like most physicists say, uh, the universe is constantly expanding. It's going in all these speeds. It's doing this. And the Mandelbrot equations and visualizing it tells us that. So then you have to think to yourself, well, how does that apply? How does this spiritual talk and all of that apply to today? Well, think about it. If you look at your county, like I look at mine, right? Like, how do you fix this? Systemically, it's rotten. 
Where is the thread that I can pull to make this all go away? And the only way that I can make that all go away and what thread I can pull is the people. But unfortunately, the people are all sitting on different areas in planes. Some are up in the air, some are underground, some are in tunnels, some are doing somersaults at the same time. Like, how do you get them to get in line and pull that thread with you? And it's like, wow, I can't get rid of this knot. So how do I get all the people to hold the same sword to cut it? And that is what we should be focusing on. And I'm saying on on a county level, city, state, federal will just happen. The only way you take back your federal government is by taking back your local government. See, this is the problem that the new world order has. It can't take away our state sovereignty. But yet these elections will do just that. This is why they can't have it with these machines. That's the problem. The only reason we are still here and the rest of the world has not fallen is because our states still exist. They exist. Now, let's just continue this and we'll get into that. We'll tidy up that statement by the end of the show. It was a demonic pattern on how to summon a demon. Na, na, but, but they never told us it was a demon. They just said you're summoning chakra. Chakra is only chakras. And this one I'm telling you from a young man that I prayed for, that I prayed for Satanism. The third chakra. The third eye of the devil. demons. But happen online, zina happen YouTube, my civilized. You know, I'm just trying to find my peace. Alafuna's statement is very common. You know, he 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 that's why yeah, uh, your Indian is not a religion. Buddhism is not a vote. But that's why Indians are good at them. Yes. So these are very sensitive statements because she's vast knowledgeable, but a lot of mixing. So Utakuta Luciferianism, Satanism, Freemasonry, but in that quest of hunger, sometimes they say when you're too hungry for something, even bitter food tastes sweet. So as I acknowledge, I was sensitive and as I could realms that are so deep getting out might be a problem in pursuit of truth. So how do you know you are not Aujengia Pashitani? How? So I understand what you're talking about and I'm, I'm actually getting everything that you're saying, but... Let me tell you, they call it witchcraft. You know, this is my understanding of it. Every, everything is witchcraft, even our own existence. Let me, let, me, let me explain it. I know that sounds a little bit, you know, ish, ish, but let me explain it. We have words. How do we interact? We have relationships on this particular realm. And you have feelings. You have emotions. You have words. You have intentions. And everything that is created on this particular dimension, before everything comes into the physical reality, it exists in a spiritual real realm. And what removes it from a spiritual realm into the physical realm? Intention. And what is witchcraft? Witchcraft is intention. No, witch and it, there, there can be positive intention and there can be negative intention. No, witch I understand what, what, witchcraft what you're saying. Witchcraft is manipulation of intention. 
yeah, craft. But, but we come into this realm to learn how to manipulate energy. That is everything that we come to do. No, no, Every no. human being Zaza, comes Zaza, on Zaza, Let, Zaza let Zaza me say, God, 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 Christians, you pray. Yes. Praying is manipulation of energy. Because you go tell God that, you know, I need this and this and this. What are you trying to do to the universe? You're sending frequencies to manipulate a particular energy so that it comes into this reality, right? That is the reason why you pray. You pray to be healed. What is the intention? Prayer is intention. Witchcraft is intention. But there are people who have negative intention. Right now, when you're seated there, when you look at me, and you're like, I wish I was like that girl. I wish I'm so jealous. I wish I was like her. I wish all the gifts that they have is sent to me. You are sending negative intentions. And the universe doesn't know the difference between negative intention and the positive intention. That is why demonic entities have as much power as light entities. So witchcraft, no, so, so prayers is positive witchcraft. Yes, that is, that is what it is. I wouldn't call prayer positive witchcraft <laughs> because one, one, we pray the will of God. Yes. That's why Kunav Tunezombea Nazita happen. So we pray the will of God. Now you know. Now she's trying to present the universe as God. The universe is a creation. It's something that God created, and it's something that God created one to express His Majesty and also express His glory. And she says something very powerful, which was when you look at the universe, you're able to understand God. In the book of Romans, it says, in fact, the universe is the first Bible. If you want to know how God yes. is, if you want to understand order, if you want to understand sequence, yes. if you want to understand patterns, connections, yes. you now begin to look at the universe. But the universe is not God. But the universe is an expression of something we cannot see. When you look at the complexity of the universe, you end up acknowledging there is a creator. So we can't worship what was created because it's supposed to point us to the one that created it. And so now the moment we shift our focus from the creator to the creation, now that's idol idolatry. Because now we are trying to shape out things from what is created and we are, we are shifting our focus from what the creator did. Now witchcraft is when we use forces, what she's calling energies, to manipulate someone to do something against their will and against their consent. It is manipulation. So we can't have positive witchcraft. Now we are entering into what we are calling a good devil and bad devil. Listen, it is either evil or godly. Because the moment we say this is good witchcraft and this is bad witchcraft, the name witchcraft cannot be accompanied with good. The name witchcraft is actually bad. But so you can't explains. have good. We have good devils and bad devils. Devil is evil. So you can't have good evil and bad evil. And that's where now uh, uh, the concept of new age in a calm. So we, we are trying to we are trying to take God out of the space, but we are trying to have this conversation so that uh, and this conversation, by the way, it universalism. Universalism itakuwa. By the way, uh, the realm of the spirit is open if you want to access it, whether as a Christian, Muslim, nini. And this now, the conversation answer kutulid new religion, new world order, one kind of religion. Because now when conversation like this begin, a lot is borrowed from the Bible, a lot is borrowed from the other part, and then it's manipulated to give us a certain conversation. So, Bingo. so here's the thing. That is exactly uh, the problem. We can all agree with all of them, actually, right? In certain specs, right? We could say, all right, that's a good point. That's a good point. But now you see, but, you know, even though I wanted to show um, something and then get into it, I think I got to share this. 
even in the Bible, it says that God chose a lying spirit to deceive. Do you remember that? So I found one video talking about it. Doesn't mean that I agree with everything they say, but this is where we use our critical thinking. And, 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 and I urge all my listeners, sometimes you need to find these conversations. Africans, you know, probably because they stayed in so much darkness without access uh, to technology like we did, that they're more cultivated as human beings because they can actually have conversations. Obviously, we did see how in their parliament they throw shoes at each other and chairs and beat the crap out of each other. But that's human nature. That's how it always happened. And in our nation, where we're supposedly civilized, they kill people. And they do that in a way where they don't get their hands dirty. So remember that. But it's interesting. Because it is through conversation that this happens. And again, I'm going to show you 1 Kings 22, where God actually spoke to, to, to lying spirits to use them for something. And, and the question should be, why would he do that? Because even evil was something he created. You're going to be, he can't create evil. Well, <laughs> he created everything. Nothing just can manifest. What is the... Rule that no one can dispel, nor energy, no energy can be destroyed or created just from the creator. So uh, let's take a stab at this one. Ooh, let me unmute that. There we go. Today, the question we will be looking at, uh, which has been asked, is from 1 Kings 22 verses 19 to 23. And the question is, why did God use a lying spirit to deceive Ahab? I pray this video will bless you and to receive more videos like these, please consider subscribing to this channel. God bless. Kings 22 verses 19 to 23 says, And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside him, on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, beloved, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So to get an understanding of this incident rightly, we need to understand the context. King Ahab is considered one of the uh, evilest of all the kings in Israel. 1 Kings 16.30 he was married to an evil woman named Jezebel who tried to destroy God's people, 1 Kings 18.4. In turn, 
Ahab worshipped Baal and Asherah and led the people into idol worship. And because of that, the prophet Elijah warned of the coming judgment. Ahab continued to disobey God by failing to destroy Ben-Hadad, king of Haram. Instead of obeying God's command, he did the opposite and made a treaty with that king. Eventually, Ahab goes on to covet Naboth's vineyard to the point that he would do anything to obtain it. When Naboth denied selling it to Ahab, his wife Jezebel devised a plan to murder Naboth and get his field. When Ahab and Jezebel carried out the plan and Naboth was murdered, God pronounces judgment on him in 1 Kings 21 verse 19. So at the pronouncement of this judgment, Ahab repents humbly before God by tearing his clothes, putting on sackcloth and fasting. And because of Ahab's repentance, God says that he will not bring the disaster in Ahab's day. 1 Kings 21 verses 25 to 29. This is yet another example of the amazing grace of God for those who humble themselves before God in repentance. Later, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came to the king of Israel, Ahab, and uh, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat whether he would join him in retaking Ramoth-Gilead, to which Jehoshaphat agreed. So Ahab goes and gathers about 400 prophets to determine if he should go ahead with this campaign. These were not true prophets of the Lord because Jehoshaphat asks, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? 1 Kings 22.7 In response, there was one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, whom Ahab disliked because he never prophesied good concerning him. In other words, Ahab did not hear anything according to his own liking. He did not want to listen to the word of God and obey it humbly. There are many such people in the world today who do not want to hear the true word of God. Instead, they would gather around them a significant number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. So just as before, the prophet Micaiah was brought before the kings to inquire of the Lord. Micaiah first said, go forth and be victorious. But Ahab probably sensed the sarcasm and demanded the truth. When Micaiah said the truth and that there would be defeat, Ahab was furious and rejected the word of God. Instead, to feed his own ego, he listened to the false prophets. Therefore, due to the hardness of Ahab's heart, Micaiah sees a vision of the lying spirit. You see, when people continue to disobey God and harden their heart toward his counsel, God will eventually give them up to judgment fitting to their deeds. God is merciful and kind, 
and he will forgive all those who come to him humbly. But on the other hand, he is also a righteous judge who will judge the iniquity and the hardness of man's heart. We can see many examples of this throughout Scripture. In Exodus 9 verse 12, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. When Pharaoh resisted letting go of God's people and hardened his heart, Exodus 8.15 and 8.32, God in turn hardens Pharaoh's heart. In Romans 1, because of man's continuous rebellion against God and the knowledge of God, they are given over to a debased mind so that they may revel in the sin that they love and so face divine judgment. Romans 1.28. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, God sends a strong delusion on all those who refuse to love the truth and be saved so that they may believe what is false and be condemned because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And there are many other examples. Now, what about the lying spirit? Micaiah sees in a vision the Lord on the throne and saying, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? 1 Kings 22.20 Take notice here that this is God's righteous judgment because of the continuous hardness of Ahab's heart and not wanting to hear the truth of what God has to say. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. 1 Kings 22.21 It seems that an evil spirit was also present at this event. We see a similar situation in the book of Job, where Satan presents himself before the Lord. Job 1.6 says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The devil is always ready to bring destruction, yet he has no more power than God gives him. Evil spirits love to be employed to bring harm to mankind, and in fact they go about seeking whom they may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8. So this lying spirit is not to be counted as part of the heavenly host, but is to be counted in the group of the evil spirits, of which the leader is Satan. In fact, Satan is called the father of lies, John 8, 44. Satan is also called the accuser of the saints, Revelation 12, 10. An example of this can be seen in Zechariah 3, 1, saying, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. These evil spirits will be judged for the wrong they do, even though God used them to bring about his judgment on those who deserve it. Finally. These examples from the Bible are a solid warning to examine our hearts, to make sure we do not continue in the hardness of our hearts, but to come before God in humbleness.
otherwise we can expect his righteous judgment. God is a righteous judge and he only gives us what we deserve. Yet among this, we see his amazing grace at work for all those who seek him in humbleness and repentance. Psalm 92.15 says, To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So, in conclusion, God used a lying spirit to bring about judgment on Ahab because he loved to listen to the lies of the false prophets. He loved evil rather than righteousness and continuously disobeyed God. So God brings about his divine judgment upon him. So I pray this video has brought, brought some, some clarification and that it has been a blessing to you. I pray that you will continue to bring, bring glory and honor and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you. The power of words and the power of everything. And this is what it is. I mean, if everyone saw that every single book that's in the Bible is actually the same story repeated, but in different perspectives in time, it would all make sense. But that's a very hard concept for one to conceive, especially, you know, when they believe that, you know, they subscribe to one thing of knowledge. And this is exactly what One Kings uh, 22 uh, depicts. That Ahab unfortunately found pleasure in what things tickled his ears and made him feel good, right? And this is the downfall of every single man. Because you like to hear things that you agree with, regardless of how you see it. And this is from day zero when you were born. You liked, you know, what you wanted to hear. Uh, and you refused to hear what you don't agree with. Yesterday, someone actually said to me, um, <laughs> hold on. I just saw, first of all, thank you for the rant. And I want to read this out because that's astonishing. Obama kind of could be Satan, birth certificate lacking, not to mention going out with a man. When is he getting impeached? <laughs> See, uh, again, these are statements that people, when they sit and think, you know, they put a lot of things together and it's fantastic choice, questions, you know, and righteous questions, right? Well, why is this happening? How is this allowed? How is this? But people dismiss it. Why? I had uh, 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 someone from my campaign team say, well, you suck. You know, you don't know when to take compliment or you don't know how to accept. Like, I'm still struggling with something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one person showed me the most <laughs> incredible kindness, uh, just like, you know, with Tesla, right? And I'm still struggling with it. And I'll tell you why. Because just like we like to hear things that we agree with to satisfy our notions, we refuse and struggle to accept things that we believe we are unworthy of. I know it sounds weird, but that is, in fact, you know, when she told me that, I was just like, uh, stop. And then I thought about it. That's the struggle. That is indeed the struggle. And I'm putting my finger on it, the struggle, because the, the, we know from all scriptures, no matter how they've been interpreted with whatever God they want, however they want to call him throughout time. And if you, even if you take, uh, you know, idol loving things, witchcraft, pagans, you name it, 
they all agree on one thing, that hell is you living in fear and guilt, <laughs> that the doors of hell are locked from the inside. And so as a person in my community, in my city, in my county, in my state, in my nation, in this world, whatever hell I experience, I can leave myself by being able to accept things that I can control, that I cannot control, and refuse things that I can. And, and again, the things that we refuse is we consciously refuse them because we have set boundaries. And I hope I'm making sense of this. <laughs> Many people believe that, you know, because God is so amazing that evil cannot exist with him, but he gave us everything. Choice is what gives you the ability to understand good from evil. I mean, how do you know something's good if you haven't experienced evil? And how do you know something's evil if you haven't experienced good? How do you know what's good for you if you haven't tried something that's bad for you? How do you know that, you know, <laughs> something is wrong in your life if you don't know what's right? right? These are all uh, uh, questions that we can have. And, and, and yes, this is more on a more blase or spiritual discussion, but think about it. As a member of your society, almost every single person around you struggles with the same thing in, in all levels. And then when you, when you think about it, oh, God hates evil. Well, it was evil and a lying spirit that helped him do what he needed to do. So I guess it would go back to how disinformation is sometimes necessary. <laughs> and you're just like, so what? You're using lies for good to entrap someone to fail because they have an affinity to lies. Okay, I see. And this is it. How restrained can any notion really be? Eh, you know, because if you guys actually put your finger on the pulse of the world right now, and I do that, I want you to picture someone in a room with a million screens watching the whole world right now. All the social media that's going on, every single statement that's being made, all these questions that people are posing, right? And just put your finger on the pulse. You'll see that everyone is struggling with the same thing. They feel confused. They feel history is not what they tell us. You know, here's another one. I want to ask you guys something and I'm going to look at the chat before I play the next clip for the break which is interesting. I'm going to ask you something. How do you remember Bruce Lee and his son? How did they die? Uh, I'll wait. I want to see. So I'm just going to wait because I know there's like a 30, 45 second delay from the minute that I speak. So I have to see. Murdered, shot, accident on a movie set. All right. Guys, if you actually Google it, they say that it was like some drug overdose or something, right? Like seriously, they, something's up. That's the thing. Everyone said the same thing. It was like a movie prop, bullet, whatever. But now they're saying it was like drugs or something like that. If you actually Google it, right? It's just like, uh, you know, brain aneurysm from like, uh, you know, whatever. I, I think it was Bruce Lee getting hit by a punch or something, right? And then his son with a gunshot. But they'll tell you it was something weird about some drug. I'm just... I'm pointing out discrepancies, you know, of what is being said and what we remember. And 
this all goes back to who's writing history? Who's writing history? And this is why the Bible is, is so important. So it has stood through time. And, and I'm going to show you this after, you know, we go through this um, uh, physiognomy slash name slash weird stuff and explanations of time travelers somewhere, um, uh, you know, in there, a dispelling. But again, even the Bible, if it stands through history, someone must have tweaked it at some point, like changing the death of how Bruce Lee died or, you know, Bernstein to Bernstein. So there's always changes throughout time, but they have to be very discreet. And then you question, why are there changes? Well, because then you'd have to accept the concept that if our creator created this universe and the Bible is that story right, of creating this universe that we are in then that would mean if it self-perpetuates that there is no actual template. It doesn't say go in a linear fashion. It can go in any fashion it wants. It's a quantum field. So then you'd have to accept that the past, present, and the future are all happening at the same time on multiple parallel universes that have self-perpetuated because maybe the beginning of time, if we take it literally, was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that is somewhere between, I don't know, South Turkey and uh, Northern Syria, like, you know, Idlib. Uh, so you would, you would then say, okay, that seems legit historical. And let's pretend that they didn't access that knowledge in that fashion. Then there might be another story of man going through that timeline tree of how it would go. And then there's another one where Adam did it and not Eve. And, you know, it could be something else all running at the same time both happening simultaneously, hence why some things just disappear, some things just appear, some stories are changed, some are not, some history is right, some history is wrong, you know, and people start to excuse the discrepancies. For example, I was having a conversation with Hera a couple of years ago, and I, we were in a car, and I was driving, and she was like, you know, men in the 40s look like men. And you know, she was a teenager at the time, not an adult. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. They looked really good with suits and hats and whatever. And then I thought to myself, and that thought came to me this morning. Damn, she is right though. Like, why did I think of that? And that's it. See, what people don't understand is if you look back into the 40s and you take a 15-year-old of the 1940s, a 15-year-old of the 1980s, a 15-year-old of, you know, the 1990s, the 2000s, and you line them up. Back in the days, teenagers used to look older. And, 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 <laughs> and then you wonder why. And then now people that are 50 don't look 50. People that are 40 don't look 40. People that are 30 don't look 30. Someone that used to be 30 doesn't look 30 today. They look, you know, the 30-year-old the of the 1980s is what a 60-year-old looks today. And then you think, would, would we stop? They have the same circadian clock time age, apparently. So how did that happen? And so as I was looking for it, I was like, has anyone asked that question? And then this came out. And I want you to, as you watch this, I want you to think of names. And I want you to think of what other things have changed their appearance in respects to time. Almost like, I don't know, political parties or presidents or whatever. I just, this was so fascinating to see that someone actually asked that question. 
And it came about at the time that I was questioning, how do I propose this to people? How do I tell them, hey, you can actually look into this? Because I know influence operations are bad, very bad. But, um, and someone would say, well, you have a, you know, a couple of liberal TikToks. Yeah, but I've cultivated those relationships since Musical.ly, uh, knowing that they will become influencers. Therefore, you ask questions and you have conversations. And it's not because you're influencing. You're just simply posing questions to have them pose the question because they will come into a position where they can actually put that question out there, if that makes sense, by themselves, not by telling them to, but by asking questions. Um, maybe one day in the future you'll be able to see a conversation I had, I don't know, with someone about body positivity and throughout, you know, a couple of years on maybe other platforms and how that shapes their mind and how that breaks the mold and how children are now more children. Just follow me on this. Carl Sagan looked, looked like, like a teenager, but it doesn't take long in an old high school yearbook to find teenagers who look surprisingly old. These people are all in their 20s, but so are these people. This is Elizabeth Taylor when she was just 17. And here are some high school students from the 70s. Did people used to look older? Brandon McCarthy asked on Twitter and evidence poured in. People shared photos of their parents in their early 20s, their dad at 21 their mom at 18 or 19, their dad at 45. One user shared their husband at 27 and what his father looked like at 23. And there's pretty much an entire subculture around how old footballers looked decades ago. 24, 31, 33, 29, 27. It's not uncommon to think that there's something more grown up about the way people used to be, to look back and think that people seemed older at a younger age than they do now. Let's call it retrospective aging. It doesn't happen to everyone. People do not and never have aged similarly. And there's even the opposite observation that kids these days grow up too fast. But it's a popular question and subject of numerous memes. So, is it real? Or is it an illusion fueled by cherry-picked examples that feeds rosy nostalgia for a time when people were tough and didn't have it as easy as you kids have it now? Well, as it turns out, both. Humans today really are aging more slowly than their historic counterparts. Changes in lifestyle, nutrition, smoking habits, healthcare, early life conditions, and skin care, particularly the use of sunscreen, are a huge part of it. By comparing measures of metabolic, cardiovascular, inflammatory kidney, liver, and lung function across time, researchers at Yale and USC have found that we are, in fact, staying younger for longer than we used to. So does that mean that 60 is the new 50? Almost. Their results suggest that between the early 90s and the late 2000s, 60 became the new 56, 40 became the new 37 and a half, and 20 became the new 19. Oh, also, during the last century, 
Dentistry and orthodontics have played a huge cosmetic role in the kinds of faces we see in parts of the world. But interestingly, when faces in magazines are measured from the 1930s to today, the only significant change has been that across all ethnicities, the media is now exposing us to larger lips. Also, retroactive aging can occur over short time spans. When I was a freshman, the seniors in my high school seemed so old to me. But by the time I was a senior myself, I looked in the mirror and at my peers and I was like, we're them now, but we don't seem as old as they did. What's going on isn't just about bodies. First of all, the seniors I looked at when I was a freshman truly were older than me at that time. They graduated and went away. And later, when I was a senior, I saw myself as I was, but in my mind's eye, I saw the earlier seniors as they appeared to me when I was younger. Retrospective aging seems to also be about perspective. Let's go back to this tweet. This is George Wendt playing Norm on the TV show Cheers. Now, when Cheers premiered, Wendt was indeed 34, but I looked it up and this image is actually from episode 24 of season 5, when Wint was 38. So we're not comparing apples to apples here. However, this is an image of George Wint at 34, and Ashley Fairbanks made some alterations and a good point. However, here's the rub. These alterations don't make Wint look more like a 34-year-old. They make him look more like a 34-year-old today. Similarly, giving the Golden Girls modern-day hairstyles and makeup drops their apparent age a lot. Superficial styles and mannerisms can often make not just a big difference, but all the difference, which supports the hypothesis that retrospective aging is often an illusion. Modes of self-expression are always changing. Clothing, hairstyles, accessories, makeup, mannerisms, language, body language. Now, modes can come back, but never exactly. The context is always a little bit different. And from what's available or acceptable at any one time, we each draw ways of appearing or being in the world. And even if you don't care about how you look or think about how you act, what options you even have are dictated by what's currently popular or normal or being pushed on people like you. Few of us stay at the stream, drawing what's new all our lives. For various reasons, we often wander away with our catch. Perhaps it's because we settle into an identity we're comfortable with or fear the taboo of not dressing our age or simply run out of time to care. But when we're gone, the stream keeps changing, and we get older and continue to use the mannerisms and styles we grabbed a while back. Eventually, to whatever those styles initially evoked, a new connotation is added. Old person. Not because the look or behavior is intrinsically for the elderly, but because those who use it, us, became old ourselves. If you want to look older, what do you do? Well, you can dress the way older people dress. And the thing is, 
that's often how they used to dress too. We think people looked older in the past because they look the way old people do today. Dale Irby, a gym teacher at Preston Wood Elementary School in Dallas, Texas, posed for his first yearbook photo in 1973. The following year, he accidentally wore the same outfit again. He says he was embarrassed at first, but his wife Kathy challenged him to do it again. So he did. And he never stopped. What he gave us is a great exaggerated example of how what once connoted youth comes to be associated with old age. The people we keep seeing a style on get older and older themselves until we think of the style itself as being for old people. Retrospective aging, then, is double-pronged, both real and illusory. People in the past really did age faster than us because of differences in nutrition and lifestyle and medicine. But much, if not most, can be chalked up to the fact that we think people like this are dressed like old people. But that's an anachronism. They're dressed like old people from the future. The old people they would become. Has anyone ever dressed like a young person from the future? Well, it happened in 1941 at the reopening of the South Fork Bridge in Canada. A crowd came out to celebrate and photos were taken. In 2010, the photos were digitized and placed online. That's when this guy was noticed. A time-traveling hipster. Why a time traveler wouldn't bother to blend in, and why, with all of history to visit, he chose the reopening of a bridge in the 40s, no one knew. The photo was confirmed to be undoctored, and researchers put forward the idea that this man was not, in fact, a time traveler. That his shirt wasn't an ironic screen print, but simply bore the logo of the Montreal Maroons, a nearby hockey team at the time. They said his sunglasses and knit sweater were not unusual for the 40s, nor was his portable camera. The only thing that was unusual about him was how casual his attire was. And they're probably right. But this all raises the exciting possibility that someone out there right now, possibly even you, is unknowingly dressed like people in the future will. And your appearance in photos will someday freak them out. You know, it might be fun to start dressing even more casually or in some other odd way on the off chance that you happen to nail it and years from now you are worshipped as a time traveler. Oh, that reminds me of today's sponsor. Hi, I'm Michael Stevens. Would you like to look like you're from the future? Well, every season, one cup. No. A portrait. Josh, pause right now if you'd like to think about it. Whoa! Favorite items from Pet Subscribed yet? I'm ready for you. With open arms and open neurons. Wow! Whoa! <laughs> Who's that guy? Does he look like a Bill, a Mark, a Justin, or a Josh? Pause right now if you'd like to think about it. According to research from Millsaps College and Miami University, this is Mark. Or, at least, this is what we think people named Mark look like. By asking people to make and rate digitally created faces, 
researchers were able to put together prototypical faces for a number of different names. This is apparently what we think a Josh looks like. A Bill, a Justin, a Dan, a Brian, a Tom, an Andy. The idea that names might conjure certain face shapes in our minds isn't that strange. For example, there's Wolfgang Kohler's famous finding that when asked which of these shapes is named Booba and which is named Kiki, people of all different ages and cultures and languages overwhelmingly assign Kiki to the spiky one and Booba to the blobby one. And sure enough, it certainly seems to work with names too. Which one of these men is Tim and which is Bob? Well, almost unanimously, people feel like this is Tim and this is Bob. But are these men actually named Tim and Bob? Well, there's the rub. Just because we associate certain names, certain sounds with certain shapes doesn't mean we're right. There's no such thing as a biological name. If a person still goes by the same name they were given as a baby, long before anyone knew what they would look like as an adult, well, surely there won't be a connection. But as it turns out, there is. Believe it or not, in a multiple choice setting, people can guess a stranger's name just by looking at their face. More often than we would expect from luck alone. It's called the face name matching effect. Here's a stimulus from Zwebner's research. Do you think this man is named Jacob, Dan, Joseph, or Nathaniel? By just randomly picking a name, people should get this right 25% of the time. But Zwebner found that people picked the correct answer, Dan, nearly 40% of the time. <laughs> What's going on? Can names actually cause us to grow to look a certain way? Well, apparently they can. It has been called a Dorian Gray effect. In Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, a portrait of the protagonist ages and grotesquely reflects his evil deeds while he himself remains young and pure looking. In a similar way, it seems that in some cases, our own appearance can come to reflect the name we were given. But I kind of think it's really more of a reverse Dorian Gray effect. I mean, in the book, Dorian's reality affects the appearance of his portrait, but the face name matching effect goes the other way. A inanimate sign, a name, influences our actual physical appearance. Well, anyway, it's not news that a person's name can lead others to have certain expectations of them and treat them accordingly. It's been found, for example, that multiracial faces given European names are rated as looking more European than the same faces are when presented with non-European names. The expectations a name carries with it may create a self-fulfilling prophecy, whereby as a person grows up, they're motivated to fulfill those expectations carry themselves in ways people think someone with their name should, and even like dislike, accentuate, hide, use, and avoid different parts of their face and body depending on whether or not those parts match their name. It's been found that faces and names that match are emotionally liked more than faces and names that don't. Analysis of voting data has shown that senatorial candidates earn 
10% more votes when their names fit their faces very well than when they fit very poorly. Now, with that in mind, part of the effect could literally come from the fact that although parents don't know what their kid will look like as an adult, the parents do know what they look like and, without knowing it, tend to prefer names that match their faces, which are likely to resemble their child's face as well. But not always. If the dissonance is too great, a person can always change their name, either completely or by simply choosing a nickname. If I had been just a little bit different, I, Michael, could have always gone by Mike. The fact that people can adjust their names to fit them, of course, merely strengthens the face name matching effect. By studying whether the correct name could be guessed when different parts of a face were occluded, researchers were able to develop heat maps showing which parts of the face different names are most characteristically associated with. Apparently, looking like an Anne is all about the tip of the nose. It's the bridge of the nose for Arthur's and the philtrum or snot trough for Benjamin's. Aurelie's are recognized by their face spiders. Let's go back to old people. How old is an old person? 73.7. That's according to results published in the Journal of American Geriatrics last year. It's the average age people gave when asked, when does old age begin? People under 65 on average said 71, and people over 65 on average said 77. Women said old age began three years later than men did. White people said it began eight years later than non-whites did. And people who felt healthy placed old age later in life than those who felt less healthy. But how old do people want to be? Well, that depends on how old they already are. In America, the only people who are the age they would like to be are 21-year-olds. People younger than 21 wish they were older, and people older than 21 wish they were younger. People who are 40 wish they were 30. People who are 60 wish they were 40. And people who are 90 wish they were 60. When people are asked if they could be one age forever, the average American picks 36, which is actually how old I am right now, funny enough. Here's something else that's funny. Old people are more likely to think they dream in black and white. Not because it's part of the aging process, but because they are veterans of the great black and white dream epidemic of the 20th century. Prior to the 1900s, Aristotle, Descartes, Freud, everyone who wrote about the topic reported that dreams contained color. But as humanity moved into the 20th century, the number of people reporting color in their dreams dropped just as quickly as the popularity of new black and white movies and TV rose. By the 60s, as color TV and movies became more and more common, reports of colored dreams started going back up. And today, people who grew up with black and white TV continue to report more black and white dreams than those who didn't. And later studies across China found the same thing. The frequency of black and white dreaming correlated strongly with how common black and white TV was in a person's area. So did black and white movies and TV literally change our dreams? Well, first of all, 
it's not clear whether dreams themselves actually changed or if people just started thinking differently about their dreams. We're trying, but we still haven't found a way to get direct access to dream content. Eric Switchable has pointed out that as far as we know, dreams may not be in color or black and white or sepia or anything. They may be primarily indeterminate in color as they happen. And only later during recall, do we confabulate details about color. He compares dreaming to reading is a novel in color or black and white. As you read a story, what do you see in your mind? It might be the case that dreams, vaporous as they are, are something we simply have a terrible grip on and that movies and TV shows have given us the illusion of understanding them. In fact, Switchable has speculated that smells and touch sensations are rare in dreams today. But future people with smelly, touchy-feely VR shows might think that they dream with lots of textures and odors and find it strange, maybe even frightening, that few of us seem to. But why would we think that dreams were like moving pictures and not normal waking life? Well, no one knows. It might be that motion pictures are just simply the closest thing we have to dreaming that isn't dreaming. Unlike still images, paintings, photographs, tapestries, motion pictures and dreams can contain movement and narrative and cause and effect. And unlike stage plays or real life, motion pictures and dreams are not made of anything that is even remotely similar to what they depict. They're both made of phantoms. Images are uncanny things. A person in an image is frozen in time, but yet can seem to grow old. Our own image can depend on what we are called, and they're the closest thing we have to what our mind does when we're away. Do you get the picture? Or does the picture get you? And as always, thanks for watching. This goes back to what is really time. Hmm? I can tell you one thing. That time for Americans and for the nation is running out. Everyone can sense that something is wrong. Something is off. Perceptions, obviously, play a bigger role than we noticed. And what we have to decide is what country we shall leave for future generations, the alternatives to Americanism or what our founding fathers had envisioned is what has condemned most of the human race, as they say. To live as slaves throughout the millennia is the idea that rights and our privileges dispensed by some authority according to the unlimited rule of men that the state should control or own the nation's capital with all economic activity directed from one central power. And that security is preferred over freedom. An opportunity our nation continues to be steered off course and the principles that led to America's greatness are being cast aside. And the simple question simple question for us to do as a people 
is do we continue to slide away from our nation's founding principles or do we return to the kind of government we inherited? And that is, I guess, what we need to be pondering on. Because as we realize in this time of unfettered access to information, right, we have all information, false, true, something in between, online. We struggle within ourselves to be able to align with what is real and what is not. We struggle within ourselves to see what is the best outcome. Yet, for some reason, we still don't see it. We understand. We are in constant shaping of narratives. We are being influenced in every portion of our life. How we should live, how we should talk, how we should look, how we should dress how we should vote, how we should identify, how we should be. Is that what our founding fathers wanted? I mean, to think of it, when our nation was founded, it was alleged that women were secondary citizens, right? It was alleged that women had no place in society. They were beaten, dragged by the hair from like caveman times. They were only supposed to be at home with children. Yet the reason we won the war and won everything was because of a woman. Yet they still give us the notion that it was uh, women who were secondary. See, when you look at these things, you start to dispel the narratives that have been recreated, how time has been changed, how everything is indeed perception and illusion. You know, there are many times that I'm confronted by people saying, shit, you do not look 44. You look like a kid. And it's like, well, I feel like I'm 205 and I feel like I've lived way too long. And why thank you, I guess, I guess. See, perception is such a big deal. Perception. We perceive that women were nothing. Yeah, Remember, the reason we won the war was because of a woman. The woman was the one that printed, that took the declarations, that took all of these things and made them tangible. And it is a woman that brings life. So when, when you're thinking, that sounds feminist. No, 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 no. It sounds like balance. It sounds like an imbalance was inappropriately created in order to create this dichotomy, male or female, woman or man, power, no power. Think about it. I want you to step back. Think about it. Mm. And here's where we're going to get into some, you know, what the heck is going on theories, right? <laughs> and I think it's important that, um, you know, we, we kind of just absorb it a little bit. And kind of think, okay, so why is this happening now? You guys know I love things all new and old. And we know that the people of the past were extremely smart, very smart. I mean, 
they went through the same things we did. They went through plagues. They went through wars. They had to feed themselves. They had to do things, right? But for some reason, they were able to do it without the technology we have today. And I know a lot of people, if you didn't have a supermarket, you'd probably go hungry. Maybe you'd subscribe to the whole cricket thing because that's easy to do. Or maybe you would become more deceitful so that you can, you know, penetrate a group of people or a person to be your sugar daddy, sugar mama, because you don't know how to hunt. Or you don't understand uh, what kind of fruits or vegetables you can eat. This is this is this is uh, reality that people don't really like to be faced with. So here we are, these people going through time, right? They've made maps, but they're all stupid, right? Because they didn't have ships, they didn't have satellites, so obviously they don't know what they're talking about. But these are their maps. That for a map done 500 years ago where they had no electricity and no steam power or anything, it seems to be quite ridiculous to even think that these are accurate, right? They're so stupid. I mean, what is Terra del Fuego? You mean the land of fire? (laughs) I mean, considering it's positioned in a place where there's really not a lot of fire. I I thought this was all ice. And then you see these... uh, Weird creatures, I guess that's a whale. So accurate. And if you look at old maps, they tell you a lot of things about the places. There's some maps that will tell you how there were sea lions and they just drew them the way they did and hence the name sea lion, right? Over there. I mean, look at this. This is a real map of stupid people (laughs) that were our history, supposedly. But, you know, they're not smart, right? They just survived in conditions that normally you would fail in today. But then you get to, you know, names. See, that's a big deal. Let's go with names. Let's take a look at another map. Let me get that up for you. Names. China, Taiwan, whatever. Here's a map. So look at this map. What is that? It looks like a dragon-type thing somewhere in the Pacific. I guess they encounter that. But, you know, they're all dumb. They just draw things that don't exist because they just had a great imagination. Here's where they're telling you where the centers are. Here's a Look at this. That looks like super normal. They just made that up. Yeah, that one too. They just encountered things that don't exist, right? Things that don't exist. What is that? What is that? I guess maybe it's just a big fish. Maybe they thought that this flies. You know, they, they, they do things like that. People are stupid. Oh, here we go. Terra del Fogo, right? Here's another one. Here's all these dumb people. So dumb. Look at the United States, almost perfect. Look at Europe, almost perfect. Look at Asia, almost perfect. And India, almost perfect. Oh, I don't see an Antarctica. I see something else. I don't see an Australia, but I do see a really good Africa right here. And rather than pay attention to that, to the map, let's just look at the creatures that they counted. Something looks like a dolphin, but it has wings and it's flying and it's really big. But that doesn't exist either. 
I remember they were on boats like this. We were woman and child escaping, and there's something there in the middle, right by Terra del Fuego, or Del Fuego. And it almost looks like this is like kind of connected, but it's not. It's so weird, because they would have gone through boats, so they would have been accurate. I mean, the rest of it is pretty accurate-ish right? Considering they can only go by nautical miles and they could be off a little bit, you know, on the shape and stuff like that, right? It's California. It's probably the way they saw it, right? But it's so bizarre. Look at this. Keys, Terra, water, air, fire. This is so bizarre, isn't it? Like, how do they look at that? They've got all the Norsks, perfectly mapped. Look at Italy, perfectly mapped. What's going on here? This looks a little bit bigger than it should be. What's this? There's Cyprus. There's Turkey. Look, they're all a joint. They're not separated. Look at Africa. It's pretty fat, kind of short, I guess. Goes by days. Mare Arabico. Oh, the Sea of Arabs. (laughs) It's so wrong, isn't it? So off. Look at China. Oh, wait, what's that? Is that like a wall? Hmm. Almost looked like it was trying to keep something in rather than out. Hmm. But see, people don't look back and question things because that would be ridiculous. Like, how dare you question authorities? How dare you question collapsing and you know, these waters that are turbulent. You mean, probably what you're talking about is the Cape where the oceans uh, meet and there's disruption, right? But again, you should look at the creatures that they encountered that are so weird. Like, what, what is this flying thing here in the Pacific? That's so weird. Like, we don't have flying big dinosaur looking things, right? Look at that ship. Why does it end there? Like, what's over here? What's over here? Hmm. It's all these islands. And what's that? I don't know. Oh, what's this? What's that? These are all things that are available to everyone. Anyone can read this. Anyone can see it. So, well, why is it that everything is so obfuscated? Why not be honest? You know, I, I remember having flown, right? Uh, when I was flying on an airplane, uh, from South America, I was a little bit confused. And, and this is just a real question that I had as to, you know, why we didn't go just straight over to Africa since we were going to Liberia, right? Why weren't we going through there? No, no, no. You must go up north first. And then from the north, you're going to come down over the poles from England. And then you're going to go down through Spain, through Italy to the northern portion of Africa. And then that's how we're going to get there. Well, why? Isn't that a lot of mileage? Why aren't we doing it the other way around? Oh, traffic. Yeah, funny. See, a lot of people don't ask these questions. They don't look at things. They don't observe things the way they should be. And there's commercials. Uh, I should show you these commercials huh? from 1994 talking about um, Pera del Fuego, which is now considered part of um, the passage to Antarctica, but it's considered, you know, Argentina. And you're just like, well, how does that happen? How does it happen to be a passage when we have maps? 
from the U.S. Navy that show that there's gravel and sand, all analytical. And then, and then you wonder, well, you know, I can go to Colorado in August and ski, even though it's not snowing. I can go to Abu Dhabi underneath the desert and ski. It's freaking cold, too, even though it's 120 degrees outside. I can, I can, and I can. And it seems like the more we look into these things, the more we understand that something's not right. We have access to this information. And, and you know what? This was the, the thing. They know you have access to this information and they know that it will just cause confusion because you were put into such a nice box that you don't know what to do first. It's like a dog when you take it out for a walk. Let's pretend your dog only knew your backyard and you put it in a car and you drop it off into a big field. It will have so much anxiety not knowing where it wants to pee on first. What does it do? Where does it go? And it starts running off because it's like, oh my gosh, exploration. And then the only thing it wants to do is come back home. See, this is exactly it. You've been put in a box as a person. And now you realize there's more than just your room, your apartment, your town, and your city. It almost reminds me like um, the maps of Zelda. I remember when I was a kid, I'd play video games a lot, a lot. And as I would play, uh, you know, I would struggle with the fact, well, what do you mean the world ends there? What do you mean Hyrule is just this? What's outside of Hyrule? Is there like a sequel? Is it going to show me the rest of the map? No, this is your map and that's where you stay. That's all you're allowed to play in The Legend of Zelda. You're only allowed to play in Hyrule. But you can't play anywhere else. And it's like, well, what if we're The Legend of Zelda and all we get is the map of Hyrule and you're not allowed to and these are the levels and the bosses you have to beat and that's about it. No more. No more. Like I said, my most ideal, I guess maybe in the most sickly, twisted, it sounds so so bad saying it, but I, I don't shy away from you know my thoughts or emotions, but I've always said it would have been fantastic to retire at the tip of Argentina drinking coffee while I feed the penguins. Probably because I'd like to watch the rest of them burn would have been a spectacle, you know, kind of like Michelle Obama when she sat in front of Notre Dame, you know, having wine on the river while it burned behind her. Almost like when you watch them burn, you just want to be right there feeding the penguins and saying, it's okay now. Sounds so, uh, so morbid, but it is a feeling that I have. And so I thought that tomorrow, since we're going to be talking about whistleblowers and What's really going on with disinformation? I thought this would be a great episode for you to ponder and for me to show you an eight millimeter film that was taken in the 70s that maybe a lot of people don't have access to. It's pretty fascinating too. That tells you a lot about everything. That tells you a lot about how um, things are not always exactly what they seem. And one might say, well, you know, Tori, the, this is exactly what we've been taught. Mm, is it really? You should look around on the internet and see just how many Disney-supported things talk about Terra del Fuego, which is, they're all so dumb, a place of ice, they're going to call it that a fire. Because, you know, people in the past were dumb. They didn't know how to survive. They were all so stupid, right? Isn't that 
what we're told, that they're all dumb. That's, that's usually what we're told. And that kind of sucks. You know, it really does. Let's take a look. Please enjoy. At some point, we'll revisit Antarctica. There's some stunning footage, but it almost looks like it's a Gordian knot. And you know, while thinking about that, what is our Gordian knot? Yes, it's to ensure that we don't have these machines so we can regain control power of our elections. County by county, Texas has led the way. Oh, Lone Star, that's so fantastic. And they're doing it without being targeted. See, while they use distractions, uh, that is why they use distractions. Look here, look there, while we recreate borders and recreate this world without you even noticing. But you know what? What is the, the, the most ultimate saying? Be the change you want to be. So it comes back down to the individual. But when we're talking about society, it would come to our immediate community. That would be our neighborhood, our county. And if we, one by one, change our counties that can be done in a snap of a finger, oh boy, that Gordian knot has just been sliced. See, if you all go back down to the basics, that's how you fix things. People are too busy trying to fix this and fix that and fix this. Think of it this way. Right now, our nation, with all these mandates that happen, this is why DeSantis needs to stay fucking put, is that we had a mass exodus of people that wanted choice to, to states that would give them that choice. States that would give them that choice. And they were able to flee and hide. Well, with this next wave, uh, this is why you don't pay attention to your peripheries. Like I said, from the day my voice in its own self, not masked, not altered, not disguised, just there, I said, stop focusing on the central stuff. You need to focus on the peripheries. And this is where it is. While everyone looked at that knot, and that was such an incredible, you know, conversation to have. Everyone is being distracted. Save the children. Yes, we need to save the children. So guess what? We're going to go after the ones that rape them, eat them, and use them for experiments. Is that what we're going to do? That's how we're going to win? Fuck you. No, you're not. Because more will just manifest like the deranged beast of Hydra. Oh, but we're going to stop these corrupt people trying to push CRT. Really? That's going to stop? There's going to be more coming out that are going to be pushing it in more novel ways. This is where you lose. Pick the battle that cuts the knot. See, while we have all these people giving us insight in all of these freaking problems, right? All they're doing is distracting us from where we need to be. Look, Pelosi's going to Taiwan. Fuck Pelosi in Taiwan. I could give two shits what's going on right now outside of my county. I need to look what's happening on here. Look, the party. Nobody gives a shit. That's what we should be doing. Not paying attention to that because this is a distraction. But the children, yes. Tell me, let's focus on the children. Let's just entertain that idea for a second. We're focusing on the kids. So-and-so, Epstein, all these people, this, that, okay. And let's lock them all up. You don't think that there's a new generation of these demons out there? 
Is that how you control the narrative? By grabbing one and hanging them up by their toes and saying, I won? Is that the way you win? Is that how you win? Hmm? Is that how you win? We're going to reform the party and we're going to be... Really? So you think if you publicly hang Hillary Clinton, it's going to solve all your problems? Really? Because she did all that shit by herself, right? Right? Or let's see. Let's get Schiff or Pelosi. That's a, let's, all, let's, let's take out all the usual stories. Let's get all members of Congress and bend them over and spank them publicly. Will that make your problems go away? Hmm? Will it stop the globalists? Hmm? Will it stop them from indicting Trump? Hmm? Will it stop them from coming to your house and jabbing your kids? Hmm? Will it stop them from coming and taking your kids? Hmm? Will it stop them from taxing you to death? Hmm? Will it stop them from shooting you? Hmm? I'm asking you a question. Think about it, all of you that are researching all these little rabbit holes. Is that going to save you? Hmm? Will that save you? Will it save you? If, say, you put just Donald Trump back in office, will it save you? If you get Ted Cruz in office, will it save you? If Hillary Clinton is put on trial, will it save you? If you impeach Obama, will it save you? If you impeach Bush... Will it save you if all the pedophiles are spanked in public? Will it save you if we exploded Epstein's Island? Would it save you if we gutted the FBI? Would it save you if we gutted the DOJ? Would it save you? I'm just asking a question because everyone has the answers leading to these little pockets of that's not going to save you. What will save you? Be the change you want to be. And... Take hold of your damn counties. Because as they come down from the top, remember, the top is the pyramid. The base is what holds it up. At the base, you're the one there. And the minute you step out of line, that whole fucking pyramid collapses. So when they come for you and your base is strong, your county is strong, and you have taken back your county sovereignty, your city's sovereignty, your state sovereignty, they can't do anything. It's bottom up, not top down. And this is the problem. And this is why I have a problem with influence operations among influence operations, giving you a leader when you don't need one. All you need is each other on a micro scale. You are the base of the pyramid. And if your base is strong and you own your base and you all say, look, I don't give a shit. Okay. You, you identify as whatever the fuck you want. You have that right to identify as a fuck you want, just like I do. So let's all get together and remove these clowns and see why are they spending so much money? This, why are they getting federal dollars for this? Why are they doing this? Why are we supposed to be subscribing to some kind of idea when that's not helping our community? Uh, that we have potholes. Where'd that money go? Oh yeah. You know, it's expensive and it's like, okay, you're out. Let's get in. Why do we have potholes? Okay. Who's, who, where was this money allocated? Where was it done? How says, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, federal government, you say I have debt. Fuck you. Come get it. I'm not giving you shit. Hey, people, we're going to be doing this tax. We're going to be doing like that. Wait a minute. Are we getting funds for the federal government for education? Are you guys okay with it? Are they forcing us? Are there any stipulations to get this money? Do we have to like force CRT? Do we have to hire specific teachers? for Yeah. You know, that's not going to work in our county. Bye. We're going to work amongst ourselves. This is how you make change. 
when you realize that the words, be the change you want to be, are at the core of it. And so, as we sit here in a world of a Gordian knot, not being able to find the beginning or the end of the string to pull it, to get it loose, what do we do? We just say, fuck it. Fuck your knot. We don't want to play with your knot. We're just going to cut it up and it's over. And the way we can do it is two ways, two-pronged approach. One, your counties. You could get all these clowns removed in a heartbeat. And I'm so jealous of people that live in counties that actually have people that are collectively together. And how do you do that? Well, you need elections. So what do you do? Do what Texas did. Texas has literally done this. Five counties, I believe, and counting. Every single county, they filed contestation. Do not use the machines. We are not using the machines. We are not using the machines. Oh, so that county is not using them. So they're having fair elections. That county is not using them. Wait a minute. How many counties do you have in your state? I have 88 in mine. If 88 of my counties refused on a county level to take those machines... Frank LaRose can go blue in his face and he's not going to get shit done. He can't force those machines unless he can pull a federal law that says that they're actually federalized and they have to. (laughs) But then he would have to declassify documents. And then you have to question, why do we have classified documents when it comes to elections when it should be transparent? Go figure. See, this is how you fix things. You don't say, oh, we need to do this. No, you need to focus on what cuts the knot. Focus on the sword. That sword is saying, you know what? This knot is really fucked up and nobody can solve it because you can't untie it. So just get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? Cut it up. Say, fuck your knot. That's how you do it. That's how you move. That's how you make change. Not what these influencers are telling you. Come vote. Give us money. Do this. Do that. Buy my shit. Do this. No. It's, hey, get together. Have some potluck. Work together. Let's do this. I mean, I am actually very jealous because there are so many people astray that prescribe to all these ideologies rather than see that they are the fucking change. They look to someone else to give them the change or to take something completely broken. It's like one of those, you know, what is it? Those house shows where they flip houses and they take like something completely fucked up and then they want to rebuild it and they buy it for cheap and then they see the foundations are shot. So then they just got to take it all down and redo it again. Why are you taking something that has corrupt foundations thinking that you can change that and make it better? If I can get rid of the Gordian knot, cut it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Ah, That's how you do it. You stand up for yourself with your neighbor that you may not like, that may be a Joanne. No, right? Didn't they say the Anna people? People that end with Anne, like Dan, Anna, (laughs) Joanne, right? All of them have like a certain facial feature. Get with the people that you may not like. Look, you don't have to like everybody, but you guys all have to agree. You have rights. And that is it. Because the more I hear people, we need to do this. Fuck you. That's not going to help you. It's like Hydra. Another head comes out. Take that head off. Another one will just grow back. These people have one foot in the grave. You think they don't have successors? You're looking at them. They're your influencers. They're the ones telling you how they're going to save your nation. These alleged Republicans, fuck the Republicans. They don't stand for us. They don't stand for anybody but themselves. Pretentious. Liars. And the reason is, they keep you on that fucking hamster wheel. Give us your money and we can help because we have influence. We have money. See, look at what they did to my campaign. They're just draining me for money. Who's going to pay me back? I can't even sue them for that because it's their right to contest me. So I can't sue and say there's malicious whatever, right? But if anything, take the hits and the slaps against the face that I have as an example of how hard they come at you. 
They literally broke the law. But see, I like games. They lost. And sometimes you have to sacrifice a queen and there she goes. Take it, hit me, smack me, do it. And the people will see you. Because sometimes when you see them get flogged, almost like if you didn't see Christ get crucified, you would have never known that he was Christ. Think about that for a second. It would have just been one person saying that he educated them and told them about love and did all these miracles. But if you hadn't seen him crucified, you wouldn't know he was Christ. You have to think about that. Kind of like you wouldn't have known the corruption. President Trump didn't step inside to take those slings and arrows so you can see it. And like he said, and I say too, if they're doing it to me, they're going to do it to you. So anyone out there thinking that this just happens to people with big mouths, right? Or people with a lot of money that want to change the system or someone that doesn't have enough money to change the system, you're wrong. They're going to come for every single one of you. You are simply, you are simply feeding the alligator, hoping it will eat you last. So for anyone out there that believes in real freedom, in actual liberty, in actual transparency, take note from all the people that have been, that have stepped into the circle and have gotten teared down. Remember Julian Assange? Well, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. You know, everyone says Snowden is a hero. (laughs) No, he's not. I actually saw a post from the team Entheos that said, well, why don't we use the HRC test? Hillary Clinton said Assange should be killed. Hillary Clinton said Snowden was a confused messenger. I think that tells you everything you need right there. So then you would ask yourself, why are all these people that supposedly are on the side of truth that want to help the people pandering on things that Snowden says or promote him. Uh, Spy versus spy, like that film intro that we saw. Hmm? Spy versus spy. Well, there's some spies that are better than the spies. There are some spies that are just like one King's 22. And there you go. It comes full circle. So in this day and age of confusion, as you see the headlines of us, oh, she went to Malaysia, you know, tensions rise over possible Taiwan visit, but we've been following her plane because we need to make her a martyr. We need to catch it on film that she got assassinated. Well, I don't know. We're running the metrics through the computer right now. Will that help us? I mean, she's dead anyway. She got everything they gave her. She should have listened to them. Her overlords of the CFR and Atlantic Council all already gave her orders. And she's like, well, who are you to give me orders? And some of them can't answer because they don't even know who they're taking orders from. Ha ha. You know, the actual people that I work with. But, you know, while we're doing that, let's talk about the J6 people. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We should talk about, we'll forget Ukraine for now because we got caught there. So let's just move it along. Oh, and by the way, while Biden was in Saudi Arabia, Gavin Newsom goes to the White House to have a meeting. What's the meeting for? Is it going to be Gavin? Is it going to be Pete? How are we going to close in from the east to the west and bring home monkeypox? Almost looks like smallpox, maybe monkeypox, but then we throw in a dab of Rustin monkey Ebola that'll only take those and it's like, but in the meantime, we're also going to bomb some terrorists so we could show people that we're doing shit. How confusing. That sounds like a, Big mashup. Like that sounds crazy and completely psychotic, but exactly what your headlines are. 
we killed an Al-Qaeda leader that we created and paid for. And South Korean Amazon is protesting boiling pot conditions. And Pelosi, she's in Malaysia, not Taiwan, even though we're following her plane really closely. Pay attention. And, ooh, Griner's Russian trial should be over. We should take this transgendered athlete and swap it for a terrorist because it makes sense. Right? And then man who stormed the Capitol with a handgun was jailed for seven years. Like, okay. And El Chapo's attorneys are representing J6 people. What? Wait, what? Huh? I, what? Yeah. Kansas votes on abortion rights. More bodies have been found in a flood ravaged Kentucky fresh as rainstorms hit. Trump endorses an Eric in Missouri, but doesn't say which Eric. Hmm? Oh, the big guy is this guy. Oh, yeah. Pertaining to that email, but everybody knows who the big guy is. <laughs> Taiwan is like, yeah, Nancy's going to come. Like, first of all, why would you do that? If they're saying that they're going to shoot and you're just going to go fly into the mouth of the beast. Get out of here. See, this is how dumb they believe you are. And you're just playing along. Following along and sharing that shit. Rather than paying attention to how you're going to destroy this Gordian knot. Almost it's schizophrenic news, schizophrenic fucking influence operations. No truth, not allowed. And you know what sucks? Rather than have <laughs> an actual start, middle, and finish show, unfortunately, because of the way your brains have been trained, it can't happen. It can't be one coherent 10-minute talk, two-minute talk. It's got to be the talk where you sit down and you kind of just think about it to yourself. Wait a minute. That makes sense. Wait, I'll go back two years. That makes sense. I go back that. That makes sense. Now it makes sense. See, that's the way your brain was treated. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Because they store information in little places, hoping that you don't find the missing pieces. Therefore, how do you deprogram a program mind to hide pieces of information? You play the same damn game. Only this time, you start from the middle and not from the corners. And that is how you deprogram. Now, I guess you'll have to listen to that a few times, just like you'll have to understand. If you're seeing Joe Biden go down, it's because a deal was struck. And so now what you have to think is, if a deal was struck for Trump not to run, who made that deal? I don't know. Maybe you should ask your influencers and all these amazing Republicans that are supporting you. That's what you should think of. That's what you should think of. What you need to be focusing on is getting to your counties. You could pretty, some of you have charters within your counties that give you the right to remove people within like 10 days. And yet you're sitting there with your thumbs up your ass. What do we do? We should save the children. Sure. So you hang Epstein. You hang Weinstein. You hang what? Hillary? Bill? Which one will satisfy you? Because you know they've got people in the back doing the same ass shit. I would just take them all out. Will you though? Really? You're going to take out the thought of evil from people's minds? No. You control how to do it. And I don't know how many times I have to say it. You guys need each other in person to look at what you can do on your local level. That's all. Because if you look at today, any climate, that's it. I guess I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm being choked up. I'll keep my mouth shut now. So on that note, while you are dabbling in the land of confusion, embrace it. Say, all right, I'm in this knot. I'm this knot right now. <laughs> I'm the knot. So how do I do it? Do I fail for so many years to untie this damn knot? 
or do I just take my sword and say, fuck the knot? That's where you need to sit, sit on. Yes, this is a land of confusion, but in order to not be confused, I just cut the knot and I focus on things that I can control and I embrace those that I cannot. You can't control what's going on in the federal government. You can't control what's going on in Taiwan. You can't control what's going on in China. But once you control what you can, well, there you go. That's your answer. That's all you have to focus on.